0: Right. Amen. Let's uh, open up our Bibles to John chapter six. And uh, we're going to read from verse twenty five through thirty four. John chapter six, verse twenty five through thirty four. God's word says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them. Truly, truly, I say to you, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father, gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Amen. So the title of my sermon today is called The Messiah. And um, there's a particular reason for that is because that's what we're speaking about today. Jesus as the Messiah. And what that means uh, for everybody. That has implications not just for believers, but for everybody in the world, even those who do not believe. Uh, There are three things that I want to talk about in my sermon today. First of all, I want to talk about what our life's focus should be. Um, Our life's focus should be eternal and not fleeting, or not on what's fleeting. Um, I want to talk about how God the Father has provided for our eternity in Christ Jesus. And then I also want to point you to the fact that this passage talks about how, how he does that. He does that in Christ, who is the true bread from heaven. And uh, through these three things, I, I, I pray that you're edified and, and uh, that you're blessed and that you truly see Christ for who he is. Uh, because as Christians, we, we, we definitely need that. Uh, but even, even more so, uh, those in here who have, who have not professed their faith in Christ when those who are not considered Christians uh, this is even important for you to understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah so let me start off with the question I really like to start that way just so that we can get our brains working and I can get you involved as well as far as thinking of uh, as, as I'm preaching but is Jesus really the savior of the world or we could even say is Jesus really the son of God and savior of the world are And also, is he the only true way to God? Those are two questions I think we must ponder today. Is he really the Savior of the world as the Son of God? And is he, only, is he the only way to God? You see, as Christians, we should, uh, you know, proclaim, yes, he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way. Uh, because that's, that's foundational to what we believe as Christians. We profess that. I mean, if we did not profess that, then we could not be called Christians, at least Christians uh, in, in the sense of, of what it is meant to be a Christian. The world says that if you think that Christ is the only Savior of the world, and if you think that he truly is the only way to God, the world says that that kind of thinking is closed-minded, uh, that it's, it's, in some sense, uh, it's bigotry, and it's antiquated, it's it's, it's for simple folk. That's what the world will say. Uh, the world will say that, that there are so many things out there that we just don't know, and that they're worth placing our, our faith in. What I like about this whole thing, though, is because when we place our faith in Christ, and we say that he is the only way, he is the way, the truth, and the life, um, we, are, we are considered by the world, by many in the world, as simple-minded. But I like the way God flips that. He flips what the world considers wisdom. He calls it foolishness. Because the fear of the Lord is actually the beginning of all wisdom. And and that's why he flips it around. God says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Uh, The world may think what they think about Christianity. They may think what they think about Christ. But the thing is, is that God Knows. God knows. He has determined. And what the world calls wisdom, God calls foolish. So if we are called foolish for placing our faith on the Messiah and saying he is the only way, if we are called foolish by the world, we are called wise by God. That is a, a wonderful thing. As Christians, we don't have to worry about following Christ in vain. Because sometimes when someone ridicules us that way and says, oh, well, you're just, you're so simple, you should open up your mind, you start to, uh, you, the human side begins to think, well, am I wrong? Is there something that I'm missing? Does this sound ridiculous? Why, why doesn't everyone believe this? The fact is, is that we don't have to worry about following Christ in vain. We can be sure that he is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. We can be so sure that we actually share our faith with other people, because we are concerned about their eternity. We can be so sure that we not only just tell people, but we are urgent about it because we know that they need the gospel. That's how sure we can be. So the fact is this, and this is what, what I, I, I want to talk about today in the sermon, this is where the sermons going to be directed towards is that we must run with endurance. Uh, We have been told there is a race. We must run it. We are running this race. We must run with endurance, but we must run looking to Christ. We must run looking to Jesus, who is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. That is what we are called to do here on this side of heaven. He is the Messiah. He is the one that our our, our focus must be on. Our passage today warns us not to see Jesus any other way. Any other way than what he truly is. He is our Savior and he is the only way to God. Listen, if we fail to, if we fail to do that, if we fail to see Christ as the Messiah, as the only way to God, then we fail to recognize the gift that God has given us. The Bible tells us that we have been given a gift, and this gift is faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as the only way to God. It is a gift that God does not give to everybody, and if we put Christ aside and and we do not recognize him as the Messiah and the only way to God, we set aside that gift that God has given us, and the wrath of God lays upon us. So we need to be careful that we do not do that. We need to be careful because if we do that, we fail to come to saving knowledge. So in order for us to avoid that, in order for us to stay focused on Christ, the first point is this, we must focus on what's eternal and not what is fleeting. We must focus on what we can't see, not what we can see. We get that from verse 27. You see, the people in our passage were, they were settling. They were settling and they were searching for what they could receive from Christ instead of Christ himself. I spent a lot of time talking about this last week. And I want to start off with this again because it points us, this helps point us in the right direction as looking at Christ, when we look at Christ as the Messiah. The miracles he had performed for them, um, they had done something in them, but not what we think. You see, because Jesus performed miracles in front of people, and to many, it added faith to them. They came to the saving faith, to the saving knowledge that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior of the world. But also, just as many, it, it, it caused them not to believe. It hardened their hearts. And in the situation here... Jesus performed the miracles, and it actually hardened their hearts instead of softened them. Because instead of seeing a God, or instead of seeing Jesus as God, as the Son of God and Savior of the world, they saw him as a means to get what they wanted in life. So instead of seeing him as the Messiah, they saw him as an idol. Because he, his presence meant Blessings for them. That day day in particular, they were searching to have their bellies filled. We see that from our passage. They were hungry and they wanted Jesus to do the miracle that he had done again. They wanted him to do it again. But the thing is, is that Jesus saw their heart and knew that even if he would have performed this miracle for them again, if he would have fed them again, the heart is an idol factory And it can never be pleased by anything except God. So even though it was their bellies that they wanted filled that day, it would have been something the next day. And they would have continued to come to Christ, not because he is the Messiah, not because he is Lord, not because in him they live, move, and have their being, but because they want something from him. Jesus saw that and stopped it. Their reasoning for following Christ was superficial. Therefore, what they sought after was transient. It was fleeting. It was fading. Not lasting. It won't go into the next life. Therefore, it's meaningless. That's what they based their faith on something that was meaningless and jesus warns us about placing our faith and our hope in things that are transient he says this in matthew 6 verses 19 through 21 he says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I think that passage is extremely important for us as we focus on what is right. As we try to decipher what it is that we are to place our faith in, in life. Because if our treasure is found in earthly things, if our faith is found in earthly things, your heart will be present with it. And that thing will become an idol for you. We will be bound to these earthly things that we treasure so much. Jesus tells them not to seek food that perishes. Instead, seek the food that endures to eternal life. Now, they're they're going and looking for this food that's going to fill their bellies and and they they won't have the pain of hunger. But Jesus recognized that there is a deeper pain that we all have, and that is the pain of sin. Right? We have the pain of sin, and that that is a lot worse than the pain of hunger. And there is only one fix for the pain of sin, and that is him. Christ. We, we, that's why he says, hey, you're seeking food. Temporary food that's going to take away temporary pain. You won't be hungry in a little bit if you eat. You're, not focusing on, you're focusing on that and you're not focusing on the greater importance and that is your spiritual condition. Therefore, you should be seeking eternal food. Food that does not perish because that is your greater need. Hey, we can all relate today. Every Sunday, 11 o'clock starts, 11.30, we're about done with praise and worship. I get up here about 11.35, stomach starts to grumble. And we have a choice. We have a choice to focus on carne guisada, the tamales, the, the enchiladas. You can tell I want Mexican food today, right? We can focus on all that And we can be preoccupied with that. But we know, hey, that's temporary. That's going to go away here around 12, 30, 1 o'clock. What we need to be focusing on, it is what's eternal. We need to be focusing on our souls and the, the, the need that we have for a Savior. And Jesus says, hey, I'm that Savior. You need to be seeking primarily after me. Because it is It is me that you primarily need. So it's a wonderful thing that Jesus is explaining to them. But just like us, you know, they don't get it right away. The fact is, is if the goal of our faith is to receive stuff, then that's where our hearts will be too. You see, we will love the things more than we love God. We will pursue God just to keep getting. And unfortunately, so many have fallen into that trap of of that they they pursue God because they want wealth, they want health, they want power, they want possessions, they want control, they want popularity, they want stuff. And Jesus is saying, look, your your hunger is of things that do not last. Don't focus on those things. Rather, Focus on your spiritual needs and your ultimate hunger for a Messiah who can provide for your salvation. There's one thing that I think about often, and I never want to include this in my prayers because I don't want this to happen to me. Let me just say that first and foremost. But I think a good way for us to think about things, and if we pursue stuff instead of pursuing the Messiah... is is if we would apply the Job test to our lives. Nobody in here, I, I pray, nobody here is like, Lord, you know, test me like you test Job. That's just not something that anybody would say. But there is great lessons that we can learn from Job's life and how the Lord did test him. In Job 1, chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, listen to this. The Lord, or Satan said to the Lord, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. That sounds really good, right? So Job is a blessed man. He has been blessed exceedingly, more than he could ask or ever ask or think. And even the devil acknowledges that. Then he says, but stretch out your hand and touch all he has, and he will curse you to your face. What would happen if that would happen to us? We know the story of Job. He lost everything. And even through losing everything, he was tempted to curse God by his own wife. Through it all, she said, just curse God and die. And yet we know that that never happened. We know that never happened because it's recorded in Scripture. But what about the Job test on us? If God were to take away all the stuff, but we still pursue him because he is all we have. When your mission, your goal, and your God is not Christ, and you lose it all, brothers and sisters, there is no foundation for you to stand on. There is no one else to trust but Christ. Because it is in him, this brings us to our second point, it is in Christ That God the Father has provided for our eternity. And we see that at the end of verse 27 through 29. You see, when he mentions work in verse 27 to the people who are around him, he he actually wants them to realize that they are, are searching for him for the wrong reasons. He's pointing out what they are working for. They had been searching for him that whole time. They finally found him. But they only were searching for him because of what they wanted from him. And he said, listen, don't work for that. Don't work for your end goal to be stuff. Rather, seek me for reasons beyond that beyond or what are temporary for reasons beyond what are earthly. Seek me for eternal life. They think, though, that he's given them some kind of special knowledge about the work that they should do for salvation. So all of a sudden, there's a shift in conversation about work. And they ask him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So they're they're ready to receive this special knowledge. And Jesus answers them this, that this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. What a powerful response. So they ask Jesus, what type of work must we do for salvation? Jesus answers, the work is already done. It's already done. There is no work to do for salvation. He says, believe. Believe in whom God has sent, in the one whom God has sent. Jesus points to himself for pleasing God he points to himself as the only way he is the Messiah that's the whole meaning of the fact that in verse 27 it mentions that God the father, father has set his seal on him he is the only one who has the authority the blessings of the father to save us he has God's seal the seal of the father on him the Greek here points to the fact that Jesus has been bestowed with power from heaven and he is the only one with the seal of the Father to provide for our salvation. 1 John chapter 5 says this, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God. And he is eternal life. 1 John 5.20. What a beautiful passage to go along with that point. I I like it a lot. I'm the one who picked it. There There is no other way for us. God has provided for our eternity in Christ Jesus. beautiful thing. Because we know that there's no doubting. There's no questioning. There's no wondering about our salvation and our security. We are provided for. There's nothing for us to work for. Now, that doesn't mean there's nothing for us to do. Please, don't get that confused. But in speaking about salvation and about earning our salvation, there is no work to do. That work has been done. We are told to believe in him who did the work. It's an extreme blessing to know that the work has already been done. I don't know about you, but there are some times when I come home and I know that there's something to do. And when you get home and it's done already, how wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? Especially to those mothers with small kids. How wonderful is it that you have all, you know, the house is a mess. You know, clothes need to be washed. The floors need to be swept. They need to be mopped. There's this whole thing. And, and, and you've been avoiding going home because you know all that, is, that, that needs to be done. You get home and your wonderful husband is doing all of it. Amen, right? (laughs) The work is done. Christ is our wonderful Savior. The work is done. He's paid the price. There's nothing left for us to do. Problem is, in our passage, We still have people who are searching for him for the wrong reasons. See, Christ is our Savior. And he is our Savior because God has said he is our Savior. People may say that there are other gods. We get back to the wisdom of the world. And when I speak of the world, I speak of the world that has no fear of God. And they say... No, there are are other gods. Don't be so narrow-minded. There are other saviors. There are other ways to God. But you see, the reason why we Christians proclaim that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to God is because God shows us that there are no other gods. He shows us that there is no other way and that he alone has provided for our eternity in Jesus Christ. He says that to us. If we are to believe that that the Bible is God's word, he says it in his word, Jesus is the only way. Listen to this. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. What a beautiful passage. Christ is our salvation because God has said it. And being the perfect Savior, he paid the price on the cross to redeem us from the enemy. Why? Because God was rich in mercy in Christ. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ. How? How? By grace, we have been saved through faith in Christ. There's no work to be done. There's no boasting when it comes to salvation. We have been granted a wonderful and precious gift. And God has provided for our eternity in Christ Jesus. Now, let's transition to the last point. The fact that Christ is, the reason why our eternity is provided for is because he is the true bread from heaven for his people. And we see that in verses 30 through 34. Here in our story, the people hear that that belief in him is the way to salvation. In verse 29, they hear the gospel, but their response is, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you, what work do you perform? That I mean, it, it's not like he just fed 15,000, 20,000 people off of a very small meal, off of somebody's lunch. That's not enough. You see, that's what I mean. They come for this now, but tomorrow it will be something else. So they say, oh, if, if you're the Savior, then what work do you do? How... Show us. How are you going to show us that we can trust you? And then they point to Moses. Because Moses, for the Israelite, that was, that was as big as you could get. He was the prophet. They point to him. He said, they say, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they said, oh, if you're the Messiah, then your point, you're, you're, you're supposed to be bigger than Moses. You're supposed to be more powerful than Moses and this is what Moses did for our, our, our people in the wilderness he gave them manna Jesus reveals that he is the way he is the truth he is the life he's greater than Moses he's greater than all and that he, he, he shows this, this by not only already providing a miracle for them but also pointing them to what was going on in Exodus when that happened You see, they're back to seeking stuff again. Now, they've been fed once, they came to be fed again, but now, what did the manna do for the people? It fed them every single day. So they're pointing to Jesus and they're saying, well, if you are who you say you are, you should be able to provide for us every single day, just like Moses did. And you should be giving us some stuff. I want my stuff. Jesus says you don't understand you don't understand what you're asking for because you do not truly understand who I am it's like the Samaritan woman when Jesus brought up the fact that he was living water that if you drank the living water you'd never be thirsty again she said oh I I need that but it was for the wrong reasons She was thinking about her physical thirst. They're thinking about their physical hunger. It's all wrong. Jesus' response is classic and perfect. This is what he says Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is the true bread. You see, the manna in the Old Testament was a miracle, a great miracle from God. And it was used to provide uh, the sustenance of the people. It was used to provide for them, to help them to continue in their journey. But its greater significance was that it pointed to Christ as the true bread. God was providing for his people. So that they can, could continue. It was a picture of God providing for his people. Through the Messiah. So that they can run the race with endurance. So that they can live. They can move. They can breathe. They can love. They can enjoy life in Christ. That's what it pointed to. That was the greater significance, that it pointed to him as the true bread that God would use to provide for his people, Christ the Messiah. He is the one who provides for our eternal spiritual sustenance. There is no uh, no one else. He is the Messiah alone. See, Jesus is the true bread from heaven because he is the only way to God through faith he is given to us by God's grace and in him we have salvation now Jesus reveals who he is and here in our passage they're still thinking about food they say feed us this bread always that's how our our passage ends feed us this bread always same thing as we talked about with the Samaritan woman Give me this water, please. I need it. But when they say feed us this bread always, they just mean, yes, provide for me. That's what I want. Provide for my earthly needs. I think that last verse, as we close, should stay in our heads. Let's think about that. Let's think about that in a sense that we do not want to be like that. We do not want to seek God as just a means to get stuff. We must know that he is more than that. We have a deeper need and a more desperate need than what we just have here on earth or what we're lacking here on earth. We all need a savior. We all need Christ. He is who we should be searching for. He is the Savior, He is the Provider, and He is the Perfecter of our souls. And when we have Him in focus, when we have Him as our faith, we can know that our salvation is sure and it's unfading. We can know that because we believe in the one whom God has sent. But on the other side, if Christ is not your Messiah, if you are a person who thinks, well, there are many ways to God and Christ cannot be the Messiah. If Christ is not your Messiah, then the wrath of God is still upon you. You will have to answer to that wrath. God has provided a way out of that wrath. He has provided a way for you to be saved. And it is only found in Christ. The Bible says, in order for you to come to saving faith, you must repent and believe the gospel. I pray you do that today. Father, we thank you for your word.